Oh, and you were talking about the act of walking. Go on. Yeah, I, I suppose walking is kind of interesting in itself. It, it sometimes starts out as this notion of going from A to B and... Um, and the usual kind of thing is not even really getting about getting to be so maybe it depends on the type of walk so if you're doing a walk which is basically up a mountain then the the objective is among other things to get to the top yes and um, having got to the top it's then to start your way back down again and, uh, even through the fog that's right yeah and feel yeah. very self-righteous and an excuse for pints or whatever afterwards yeah, yeah. um Walking was just involved actually. There's got two types of walks: a kind of a circular walk or a linear walk, um, which, which don't involve actually getting to the top of a mountain. Take on a kind of a different dynamic, which is really interesting. So, I mean, recently walking in Italy, for example, um, you'd you'd walk along and then you'd drop down into a town, and you'd normally come into a town from a direction that you wouldn't come in by car or by bus or by whatever. And you might amble up some side streets or some tiny places and then suddenly find yourself standing in a square that maybe you'd driven through two days earlier and had had a totally different impression of the of, of the town or the place. So yeah, so yeah, it's about it's about the journey itself, but it's about little things you discover. Like walking through Italy, for example, we came across Right in the middle of a really rough part of the walk, a sign that simply said uh, Ristorante or something. Right. And we walked up, and there was this most magnificent restaurant where we had a most delightful lunch overlooking a town below in the valley. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, and uh, if I'd driven past it on the road, I probably wouldn't have seen the sign or ignored it. And yet, for me, it was one of... Run by a lady whose husband helped her. He was working in the local town. Um, most delightful food um, in a very nondescript kind of a location. Now, of course, the Italians have the advantage that uh, A, their food is simple but exquisite, and B, uh, they can sit you out in the open air, so they don't need a 25-seater restaurant. You know? Um, yeah, so, but, yeah. Ian, let me ask you, though, when you're, um, when you're walking, do you think? Actually, the first thing that walking st- makes you do is stop thinking. Because, especially if you're on any kind of rough terrain, so your head is full of, you know, whether it's cranky customer or family row or, you know, something you forgot to do. And the first stumble you take um, when your footing misses something makes you realise, okay, focus on the walk. So you're in the now. You're in the now, very much in the now. And then the second thing then, you've got to remind yourself that begin the now, that there's lots of stuff which are more than two feet away from your foot. So every now and again, you've actually got to stop. So yesterday, for example, I walked from uh, out of a place called Derry Cunningham, which is on the road to Kenmare, back into Killarney, but in on the old Kenmare Road. Never and again, you literally physically have to stop yourself and say, "Look at where I am." You could have been in any century. You could have been anywhere. Do you mean the view was gobsmacking or what? The views, the terrain you were walking through, looking at, for example, ruins of old houses and old old field patterns, and realizing that they hadn't the place you were standing in hadn't changed probably in two hundred years, in five hundred years. There were no telegraph poles, there was no roads, there was no, there was nothing to indicate the 21st century. 
And so, sorry, so did you think, as the question you asked me was, you actually stop thinking, which forces you to actually think differently? Do you ever talk to yourself while you're walking? I talk to myself all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm asking, do you talk to yourself while you're walking? Not out loud, maybe, but I no, 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 no. Yeah, I but would, you yeah. know how I you would, can. Yeah. Uh, I have a look. Yeah, I have yeah. a look. It's. Um, Do you ever conduct conversations with yourself while you're out walking? No, I'd be more inclined to maybe. Think about walking. You see, you normally walk in company as well. And oh yeah. Company switches. You know, if you have ten people walking together, it sounds like a. Um, you know, oh my God, that's going to be a very crowded space. But you generally end up walking beside one person, and then for whatever reason, you know, two kilometers later, you're walking beside somebody else. Somebody stops to tie a shoelace or. Yes, whatever, yes. And, and you move on. Yeah, or it shuffles, and, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, so you end up with different conversations. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. You literally end up with different conversations, especially if there's a couple of strangers on the wall that you haven't walked with before. Um, it normally will start about a walk, but then you end up talking about whether it's it could be anything. Now, I the reason I brought this up is that I've been reading a book, which I want to at least show you and see if you'd be interested in reading it. Uh, Rebecca Solnit is the writer. The book is called Wanderlust, A History of Walking. Now, let me ask you this much. This is a tick box question. What is it that makes uh, uh, a creature human? Number one, consciousness. Number two, use of symbols. Number three, walking upright. Which, what makes a creature human? Which box would you tick? But I suppose given that certain animals can understand um, symbols and signs uh, and can learn from it, we'll ignore that one. Uh, the walking upright, we can have a bear, we can have certain types of gorillas, so I presume it's consciousness. Well, you're wrong, according, <laughs> to, according to what I, what I have written. Now, this is the astonishing thing. I never, ever thought... Now, I've got as far as chapter three in a book that has got 300 and something pages. Okay. And I am reading the book aloud on my podcast, right? Okay. With comments as I go along. So I'd be reading this stuff. Now, one and, thing. And, and, and annotating the margins as you go. So well, speak. it'd be the equivalent of annotating yeah. it in the book. You're yeah. right. Yeah. That's exactly what it would be. But the, the point is that it turns out that there are scientists who have been discussing like Piltdown Man and other things because I'm more familiar now because I've read a bit about it recently but apparently um, there's this whole area of study by scientists about what are the evolutionary advantages about standing upright (laughs) excuse me I've got the hiccups now but I must, I, I just, it, it would take too long for me to s- 
fill in this book, which I think is extraordinary, and because you are so interested in walking, that's why I asked you, are you only interested in the places that you go to? Because if the only thing that really interests you is, oh look, I walk in Killarney and I see this wonderful lake below me. If on the other hand you're interested in the, for sake of argument, the act of walking in history, like for sake of argument, did anybody go walking in the uh, countryside in the way that Wordsworth walked in the countryside? Did they? Did the Greeks walk in the countryside the same way as Wordsworth walked in the countryside? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Paul, because what happens is you're you're sometimes faced with. This sounds very fucking profound, and it's not. But I mean, I came across a black snail yesterday that I'd never seen before. A black snail. Yeah. All right. I also came across a lizard while walking in Killarney. I have never seen a lizard in Ireland. It was about. It's not hot enough for lizards. It was about four inches long. Really? Yes. And it popped up in the grass in front of me and disappeared into the um, into the undergrowth. I didn't know we had lizards. I thought St. Patrick drove all those kind of things out no, of Ireland. No idea. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you discover this kind of stuff. I mean, I walked past a place called Kilegi yesterday because I was looking at the map as I was passing it by. And uh, Kilegi was a place where my wife's uh, great-grandparents were born. Side of a mountain. I mean, talk about poverty. So there was living history in front of me and how people could make a living in that bog. In the 1901 census, there were 16 people living in that small house um, so there's places yeah there's places you go that you have a connection with and there's places you go that you make a connection with as well you know and uh, I just find it fascinating because every walk is different and I can walk the same place I would have did a walk yesterday I think it's my seventh or eighth time doing the same walk but I had an entirely different set of experiences I have that on the golf course by the way my seventh or eighth time playing the golf course, the ball lands in a different place <laughs> each time. New hazards become visible that I was not aware of before. New vistas. Yeah, it depends on the weather. So you get you yeah. get a drop of yeah. rain, you get some sunshine, you get wind, you get whatever. You know. Look, I gotta show you this book. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. it starts off with Rousseau. A big Rousseau apparently walked through Rousseau was at his best in noisy places. He liked the... Uh, yeah, noisy places where he could uh, cut off from everything that was going on. He'd be very focused on uh, thinking in places where there were loads of distractions. And he also went walking... Uh, and there's a whole section in the book and the notion that you could have somebody writing a history of walking including stuff about Kierkegaard and uh, Rousseau and, and Orwell and all these people that I don't know enough about I but, but, but I should think about it, Paul. Yeah. Sorry, and you asked me questions at the beginning, giving me three choices, and I, I dismissed walking because bears or whatever could do it. But think about it. I mean, one of the first, maybe it's the most primeval instinct, was one of survival, and that involved walking, it involved exploring, it involved getting out there, finding something to kill, something to actually pick up and eat. 
and the ability to carry back one of the theories now this is only I'm not telling you that this is the truth but the ability to carry back food you know obviously a creature that is using the two arms while moving forward is actually a more attractive mate than somebody who's on uh, four legs you know carrying something in their mouth and uh, but this book is fascinating Owen I really and uh, apart from anything else it's the most wonderfully written this woman's ability to to manipulate words and put them together is outstanding actually the title Wanderlust is of course German it's originally a German word Ah, right. And the German word lust is kind of an interesting word because lust can either be love or it can be the English word lust as well. And wander or wander. It can also be love, can it? It can be love as well, yeah. Or lust, yeah. Yeah, lust in German is love. Can you say to somebody in German, I lost you? You can, yes. uh, it's another form of ich liebe dich. Yeah, ich liebe dich, yeah. So what else can you say? Ich lust dich? No, ich, uh, ich hab dir lust. Ich, ich, ich hab dir ich I have dir lust, lust for you? Yes. As in the Irish form? Yes. Yeah. Oh, lust. A gun. A gun. A lust gun, Deutsch, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and, and the, the, the whole notion of wandering, you know, I mean, we, we, we make it as walking, but the notion of wandering, you know. The most influential, uh, one of the most influential phrases I ever read anywhere was in a book, which I picked up by complete accident, a, a selected poems of Walt Whitman, who at the time, I didn't know who he was. I literally had never heard of him, right? And there was a phrase in it which uh, was about, almost like about the effect that Walt Whitman could have on you. And this was the phrase, the wilderness of unopened life. The wilderness of unopened life. Now, to me, you see, I worked for the National Trust at the time, right? So wilderness was a good thing, not a negative thing. It was all about, you know, on Sutherland, let's say Sutherland, northeast of, northwest of Scotland. But the wilderness, the, there are very few wilderness places. Yeah. Is there any wilderness place in Ireland? Probably not. Probably yeah. not, right? But anyway, this whole thing about this phrase, this idea of, you know, you're talking about wandering and I talk about wilderness. And to me, wilderness was and still is, you know, Fantastically good, desirable. I think, kind of, if we subject wandering to any kind of thought, it'll be very positive. I would agree. No, I'd agree. I mean, the whole notion of even the mind wandering, you know, oh. is sometimes seen as negative. But no, it's. Um, I, I think it's the mind's way of kind of recalibrating what we're doing. Oh, now, look, we better stop because we're <laughs> on to daydreaming, right? Yeah, we are. And the value of daydreaming. So I just want to stop the recording. Mm-hmm.